I'd like to continue our study of the Beatitudes, Matthew 5. There are eight of them. We're on number seven. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Peacemakers. We're impressed with the number of times the word peace is found in the Bible. Would you estimate how many you think? Well, I got my concordance out, and there are over 450 times that the word peace is found in our Bibles, both the Old and the New Testament. 450 times. God is a man, uh, God is a God of peace. He desires peace among all mankind. It's also found at the very beginning or the end of the 21 epistles in the New Testament. Only two exceptions, James and 1 John. For example, in 1 Timothy 1 and 2, Paul wrote, Grace, mercy, peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. We're told that the Old Testament word, and I guess we've all heard this, in the Hebrew is shalom. And it's a popular greeting among Israelites. Shalom, that means uh, peace. But the word in the New Testament is a Greek word, and it's pronounced Irene. Our daughter Danielle, when she was in school, had a, a classmate whose name was Irene. A lot of girls are named Irene, and that's where it comes from. But the teacher didn't call her Irene. She said, in the Greek, it's Irene, so I'm going to call you Irene. <laughs> well, I believe if I had been Irene, I would have said, well, we live in England. We speak English. My parents named me Irene. I'd appreciate it if you'd call me Irene. But I don't think she said that. Maybe the teacher was just carrying her for little ways. Irene. Well, let's define peace. It means a harmonious relationship. It's the absence or the cessation of interpersonal conflict and mental tension. It's a condition of freedom from strife, whether it's internal or external. It's security from outward enemies, as well as calmness of heart. We need to remember that peace does not come of its own accord. Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers. Well, who are these peacemakers? They are those noble people who reconcile men to God and men to men, group to group, maybe nation to nation. They're trying to prevent quarrels, strife, and wars. Peacemakers. About 150 years ago, or nearly 200 now, Alexander Campbell was a preacher, and on occasions he spoke to the Congress of the United States. And that was through the influence of Henry Clay. Henry Clay was in Congress. Henry Clay is known as the, uh, the great pacificator because it was his effort to try to endeavor to reconcile those in the circles of politics, especially in Congress, to see one another's point of view, to get along. The great pacificator was Henry Clay. Ferdinand Magellan 
1519, set out with five ships from Spain to go westward and circle the globe, looking for a shorter route to the Sugar Island. And so they left Spain, they came down south in the Atlantic Ocean, got to the tip of the South America, went through the Strait, it's called the Strait of Magellan today, and entered into the Pacific Ocean. And he called the Pacific Ocean the Pacific Ocean because at that time and that place it was very calm, especially in comparison with the Atlantic Ocean, which was quite stormy. So we called it the Pacific Ocean because Magellan called it that. <clears throat> and we're trying to follow our notes here. Here we go. So a peacemaker pacifies. He tries to allay anger, agitation, or resentment. He conciliates. He wins over from a state of unfriendliness or distrust. He seeks to soften or to soothe wounded feelings, to bring about a calm, to put it rest, to cause to be still. Peacemakers. And we understand that total peace involves threefold. Peace with God, peace with ourselves, and peace with our fellow man. That's total peace. And Jesus has brought us peace from God. For example, in Romans 5 and 1, being therefore justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We turn over to 2 Corinthians 5, 18 through 20. We read there how... I just closed the page there. How in Jesus Christ, God has tried to reconcile sinful man to himself. And he uses the word reconciliation. He speaks about the ministry of reconciliation. The apostles were the ambassadors of reconciliation. Let me read verses 18 through 20. But all things are of God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ, and gave unto us, the apostles, the ministry of reconciliation. To wit, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not reckoning unto them their trespasses, trespasses, and having committed unto us the word of reconciliation. That's the gospel. We are ambassadors, therefore, we apostles, therefore, on behalf of Christ, as though God were entreating by us, we beseech you on behalf of Christ, be ye reconciled to God. Reconciliation, bringing into agreement, being peacemakers is the idea here. However, in our beatitude, Jesus is talking about children of God. They're being peacemakers, not talking about Henry Clay, talking about the Secretary of State or people of that nature. He's talking here about his children in their relationship 
to him God, to himself, and to our fellow man. Peace, we understand, is a part of the fruit of the Holy Spirit in Galatians 5. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness. Let's look at Jesus Christ. He is called the Prince of Peace. We're all aware of that. When we turn over to Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6, we read, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. That's Jesus is talking about. He's going to be born in Bethlehem. He's going to be born of Mary. A child is born. Unto us a son is given, and the great government shall be upon his shoulders. He's going to sit upon the throne of David as the Messiah. He's going to be the king of kings as well as the Lord of lords. The government is going to be upon his shoulders. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God. Jesus is God, is he not? Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Well, why do we think he's called Father? Because he's the creator of all things. He brought into existence everything. So in that sense, he is called the Everlasting Father. Now, being the Prince of Peace, it's strange at first to think about what he said. In Matthew 10, 34 through 36, let me read it to you. Remember, these are coming from the words of the Prince of Peace. Think not that I came to send peace on the earth. Is this Jesus? I came not to send peace, but a sword. For I came to set a man at variance against his father and the daughter against her mother and the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a man's foes shall be they of his own household. Now, he is the prince of peace. He's the ruler of peace. God brings peace through him to those who will accept him. And yet, he says, think not that I came to send peace on the earth. I came not to send peace, but a sword. And a sword is a symbol of trouble, strife. What does Jesus mean here? Prince of peace, not bringing peace? What he's saying is that everybody's not going to accept him. In the same family, there'll be some who will accept him, some who will not. And they're going to have trouble. They're going to have problems. There's going to be dissent. And that's what he's talking about. When we turn over to Ezekiel, chapter 3. I read this not too long ago, but I think it's worth reading it again. It's talking about a watchman. Ezekiel is a watchman in this case, but if you and I are children of God, we have a responsibility to watch and to testify and to witness for Jesus Christ. We're not going to witness like the apostles witnessed. But we can tell them what Jesus has done for us and what he has available for everybody. Let's begin with Ezekiel 3, and we'll start with verse 16. And it came to pass at the end of seven days that the word of Jehovah came unto me, saying, Son of man, I have made thee a watchman unto the house of Israel. Therefore, hear the word of my mouth. 
and give them warning from me. When I say unto the wicked, Thou shalt surely die, and thou givest him not warning, nor speaketh to warn the wicked from his wicked way, to save his life, the same wicked man shall die in his iniquity. But his blood will I require at thy hand. Yet if thou warn the wicked, and he turn not from his wickedness, nor from his wicked way, he shall die in his iniquity. But thou hast delivered thy soul. Again, when a righteous man doth turn from his righteousness and commit iniquity, and I lay a stumbling block before him, he shall die. Because thou hast not given him warning, he shall die in his sin. And his righteous deeds, which he hath done, shall not be remembered. But his blood will I require at thy hand. Nevertheless, if thou warn the righteous man that the righteous sin not, and he doth not sin, he shall surely live, because he took warning, and thou hast delivered thy soul. You're a watchman, I'm a watchman. We have to do what we can to try to save people. We have a responsibility, you and I, to try to, to, try to lead people. It's not easy. They're lost. We know what it takes to be saved. We've obeyed the gospel. And we want to, the, with the tact that we have, to try to lead them. But we know also that everybody's not receptive. Everybody does not have, as the Lord requires, Luke 8 and 15, a, an honest and good heart. And, you know, it's kind of hard to think about some kin folks not having an honest and good heart. They're good in many ways. But we are watchmen. And we have that responsibility. In the home, it's necessary. in the home. We need not just homemakers, but we need to be peacemakers in the home. Husbands and wives both need to be peacemakers. They need to seek a, a truce and a peace when it comes to conflict. We need to say, put down that gun, let's talk. Don't shoot, don't pull the trigger and resolve this conflict. In a general way, we are reported that one-fourth of people who get married get a divorce. It's a half, I think, today. So these are old statistics. Another fourth separate. No divorce, they just separate, don't live together. Another fourth who are still living together in the same, under the same roof are in conflict, not a happy marriage and only 25% are happily married. That's a sad situation. We need peacemakers 
in the home. 75% are not living in peace. Happy marriage is not easy. Everybody has to work at it. Now, just think about this. Here's a young man, here's a young woman, and whatever the circumstances, they're brought together and they, they like one another. They say that it, uh, opposites attract. I don't believe that, but uh, there's got to be something that attracts. And so they uh, continue this relationship, and after a while they decide they get married. But they come from different backgrounds. Even if the parents were Christians, they still have different backgrounds. Uh, not necessarily one's right and one's wrong, but they look at different they look at different things in different ways. And so they have to work their differences out with love. Peacemakers. Homemakers need to be peacemakers. Also, when we turn over to uh, John 12, 32 and 33, and I think I'm getting ahead of myself here just a moment. Jesus said in John 12, 32 and 33, and I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men to myself. Now we might first think that he's talking about lifting up in the resurrection, but he's not talking about that. The very next verse, Jesus goes on to say, but this he said, or John does, signifying by what manner of death he should die. By Jesus' sacrifice on the cross, he's able to reconcile man to God. But man has to respond to the Lord in order to enjoy that. <clears throat> Let's consider being peacemakers in the church. Peace is that state, that condition that exists or should exist in the church between members. Don't know what the condition was of the church in Thessalonica, but Paul wrote in 1 Thessalonians 5.13, Be at peace among yourselves. Did he know some strife there? And so he just encouraging them, be at peace among yourselves? Or is he just anticipating what might come along? When we turn to 2 Corinthians 13 and verse 11. Finally, brethren, farewell. Be perfected. Be comforted. Be of the same mind. Live in peace. Closing words to the brethren in Corinth. And the God of love and peace shall be with you. Notice what he said in Ephesians 4 and 3 about peace giving diligence to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. We are to give diligence. It's not a, something that can take it or leave it. Colossians 3.15, And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to the which also ye were called 
in one body and be ye thankful. Well, there are a number of scriptures that I listed, but I'm not going to take time to read them all. We know from Proverbs 15 and 1 that a soft answer turneth away wrath, but a grievous word stirreth up strife. In Proverbs 6, 16 to 19, we read there that there are six things which God hates. Yea, he says seven things that are an abomination unto God. And of the seven that are listed, the first one is haughty eyes. And the last one, he that soweth discord among brethren. That's an abomination to God. That's something God hates, sowing discord among brethren. We turn over to Galatians 5. <clears throat> we'll start at verse 19 through 21. We'll not read the whole list, but here Paul lists 15 works of the flesh. And he says, those who are guilty of such and such like, shall not enter into the kingdom of God. Fifteen of them, but eight of them, that's a little bit over half of them, have to do with what we're talking about now. Enmities and strife, divisions, factions. Let me uh, find verse 19. <clears throat> and he starts off with fornication and uncleanness, lasciviousness. Jump down to count these if you wish. Enmities, strife, Jealousies, wraths, factions, divisions, parties, not partying like we're going to have an ice cream party tonight, parties, separations, envyings, and the other things. The Lord says those are cardinal sins and they'll keep us out of heaven. <clears throat> So, what are some of the means that peacemakers need to use to promote peace? In the home, in the church, at work, or wherever? Well, for one thing, we have to be unselfish. We're not to ask, well, am I having my rights? How is this going to affect me? Is this fair to me? That's not being a peacemaker. According to James 1 and 19, he will be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. He's going to be willing to take wrong. Let me read for you <clears throat> from uh, 1 Corinthians 6, 7 and 8. But brother... But brother goeth to law with brother, and that before unbelievers. Nay, already it is altogether a defect in you, that ye have lawsuits one with another, and why not rather, here's Paul's solution, why not rather take wrong? Why not rather be defrauded? Nay, but ye yourselves do wrong and defraud, and that your brethren. Got a problem here? Paul says, if you're a Christian, you want to be a peacemaker, you take the wrong yourself. Just accept it and go on. Does that sound right? Does it sound fair? I don't know, but that's what the Lord 
and the Holy Spirit tells us we ought to do. Romans 14 and 19. So then let us follow after things which make for peace, and things whereby we may edify one another. So what is their blessing? Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. In the Bible, people are figuratively called sons of a person or a characteristic when they resemble that person or that characteristic. For example, we read in the Bible about the children of Abraham. The Jews had the mistaken idea that because they had been fleshly circumcised, they were descendants of Abraham, they had their genealogy to, to prove it. They were children of Abraham. Jesus said, no, absolutely not. Unless you're circumcised in your heart, you're not a child of Abraham. Don't care what your genealogies try to prove. Circumcised in heart. Think about this. <clears throat> the children of the devil are those who possess devilish qualities. The sons of God, those who imitate God. Now, what does God require? Well, we all know some of the things, but let me read just one verse. This is found in Luke 6, 35. Jesus said, but love your enemies and do them good. You want to be a child of God? You have to love your enemies and do your enemies good. I'm not through reading that verse. And lend, L-E-N-D, lend people. They want to borrow something, lend, expecting nothing in return. And your reward shall be great. And ye shall be sons of the Most High. That's God. Ye shall be sons of the Most High. For he, God, is kind toward the unthankful and evil. God is kind toward the unthankful, the ungrateful. He's kind toward the evil. And he says, if you want to be a son of God, Jesus says this, then we need to be that way. We need to be kind toward the ungrateful. You do something for somebody, they don't even thank you or, you know, ignore you or whatever. God says you're to be kind to the unthankful. You're to be kind to the evil. And those aren't easy things to do, but that's what it takes to be a son of God, a son of the Most High. Peacemakers are called sons of God for various reasons. Let me give you three briefly. First, their God or our God is the God of peace. Romans 15, 33. Now the God of peace be with you all, Paul said. Second reason, our Savior is the Prince of Peace. We've already noticed that. Jesus is the Prince of Peace. And thirdly, because the peacemaker... His gospel is the gospel of peace. Romans 10 and verse 15, let me read it. <clears throat> and how shall they preach except they be sent, even as it is written? How beautiful are the feet of them that bring glad tidings of good things and who preach the gospel of peace. 
If peacemakers are blessed, my last question. If peacemakers are blessed, what about the peace breakers? Naturally, they're going to be cursed. If peacemakers are called sons of God, what are the peace breakers called? Sons of the devil. Sadly. But Jesus died that no one has to be a son of the devil, of Satan. But he can be a son of God. He extends an invitation to everybody at all times to obey the gospel. To come in contact with that blood that will wash away every sin. Will reconcile him back into God's grace. And we want to help anybody who's in that need. Who wants to get right with God. Who's not obeyed the gospel yet. Or maybe needs to have sins as a child of God forgiven. Whatever. We stand ready to help any way that we can. According to the Bible. If you need to come, would you come as together we stand and sing? Thank you.